0: I would just like to thank you all for coming. My name is Georgina Miller. I am 42 years old, and I am the youngest of three children. My brother is 11 years older than me, and my sister is 10 years older than me. I was brought up in a Christian home, and I didn't think at the time that that was a great privilege, but it is. My parents were both saved. My both sets of grandparents were saved. And my brother and sister were both saved when I was still very young. And all my aunts and uncles were saved as well. But although I was brought up and all my family were saved, didn't mean I was going to be in heaven one day. I knew, and I always knew, that if I wanted to be in heaven, I had to be saved. I knew I needed to repent of my sins and ask God to forgive me and believe in his finished work on the cross. I was brought up in what most people would call a very strict family. We had no TV in our home. There was no mobile phones, (laughs) and there was no internet. There was no iPads or anything like that. And there was a lot of places I wasn't allowed to go, and a lot of things I wasn't allowed to do. Our family attended the Brethren Gospel Hall in Keating, in my childhood, and right up until I went to university involved going to a lot of gospel meetings we went to church every Sunday morning there was Sunday school in the afternoon and then there was some church again in the evening and we always had to go there was no such thing as saying I'm not going today and as well as Sunday meetings we also had lots of series of gospel meetings back to back nearly sometimes, one wouldn't have been right over until the next one was about to start. And if they were in half an hour's driving distance of our home at all, we were there at least three nights a week, if not five nights. It didn't matter if we had school the next day, and saying you were too tired or you had too much homework was not an excuse not to go. With all these meetings going on, there was also a lot of times there was preachers in our home. Hardly a week went past that there wasn't a preacher there for tea or something, a cup of tea, tea or dinner. And as I got older, I didn't particularly like this, especially if the preacher who was having a spell of meetings maybe came a distance and were staying overnights in our home as well, because they were maybe staying in our home for maybe eight weeks longer at a time. And I didn't like this. I used to dread meeting them in the hallway or being left in a room with them because a lot of times the question would have come up, have you any thoughts about getting saved yet? So this was the way things were in our home. That was my, how I was brought up. Going up through school, primary school and high school, wasn't too bad for me. I had a good wee group of friends that was also from brethren and background and we all stuck together. So going on until about 1996, I was in fifth year and I was studying for my GCSEs and one day I remember a gentleman came to our house, I didn't know who he was but I knew straight away he was a preacher and he was there to ask my dad if he could come to my granny's garage to have meetings and of course my dad says yes of course that would be great to have you. So at this time too my sister was very ill. And as I sat on the edge of her bed one day, she took my hand and she asked me to promise her one thing. And that one thing was that I would meet her in heaven one day. I remember going round to the front of our house that day and sitting down in the garden wall. And I made up my mind that I was gonna get saved. I wasn't gonna let this opportunity pass again. So those meetings started at the start of May that year, 1996. And I was full on studying for my GCSEs. But I still went every night. And every night for the first three weeks of those meetings, Mr. Jim Martin read the text, John three sixteen. It was the only text he read every night for three weeks. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So it was Monday night, the 20th of May, 1996. I came home from the meeting that night and I went straight up to my bedroom. And as I lay on top of my bed, just going over the death of Jesus on the cross and what it meant, it just hit me like a bullet, like it had never hit me before. That his death on the cross was for me and that it was enough to wash away my sins and that all I had to do was believe. And I got down at the side of my bed, and I prayed to God to forgive me and to save my soul. I don't know the exact words I used. And I didn't see any bright lights or big bangs or anything like that. It was, But there was a peace came into my soul and into my heart that I had never felt before. And I knew I was saved. And I had done what it said in John 3.16. I had believed in him, and the verse says, "'Whosoever that believeth in him shall be saved.'" So I had my reassurance there and then. As I said, this was right in the middle of my GCSEs, and when the results came out that summer, I had surprised a lot of my teachers with the grades I got. So can I just say to any young people here tonight that's maybe studying for big exams, don't let that put you off getting right with God first. Getting saved, getting right with God, is your should be your number one priority. And if you make it your number one priority, God will see you through. About a year and a half after that, I got baptized and I was received into fellowship and in Katie brother. But a few months after I got saved, that was May, I got saved. About the September October time, I suffered a back injury. And I ended up, I had to take that year out of school after my GCSEs. I'd already started my A-levels, and then I had to drop out for that year. But I had to face a very big decision. I had to go for back surgery. And the surgeon told me that there was a very great chance I would be paralyzed as a result of it. But if I didn't have the surgery, I could be in a wheelchair anyway. So at 17 years old, I had a big decision to make. And my mum and dad said, it's up to you, we're not telling you what to do. So I prayed about it, and I went for the surgery. <laughs> and I thank God he brought me through that. And I have never had any problems since that with my back. So then I went on the year after that then to do my A-levels. And then after A-levels, I went to the University of Ulster Jordanstown to do my degree in accountancy. I was very nervous starting university because all my friends were away on a year in front of me then, and I didn't know anybody going on to my course. But that first day as I walked round Jordan's town trying to find where I was supposed to be, it was like a lost duck, and there was another girl walking around too, and I plucked up the courage to say to her, what room are you looking for? And it turned out she was looking for the same as me. She was in my course too, and she didn't know anybody either. She was a very quiet girl, just like me. And her and I became very good friends. But she traveled every day. She wasn't staying down near the university anywhere. She lived close enough and she was up towards Bellamina. So she traveled every day. And, you know, I think the Lord crossed our paths that first day so that I wouldn't make friends with any of the other ones staying round Belfast or staying round the halls of residence because I was sharing a house with Christians. I was sharing a house with my best friend and her older brother and sister who were all saved. And my university life was very quiet. On a Tuesday night we went, every Tuesday night we travelled in from Jordanstown into Belfast to the prayer meeting and the Bible reading in Windsor Gospel Hall. There was no partying, but we had many a good laugh. So anybody starting university or at university... Make sure you pick your friends wisely. Don't let them pull you into the world and into the partying and drinking life of the majority of university students. After I left university, I got a job in Belfast City Airport. It wasn't an accountancy, but it was a job I got at the time. And as part of the training, myself and another girl were sent to London for a week. And this was where I had my first taste of alcohol. The girl I was with had friends in London, and she wanted to meet up with them, and I tagged along. And I suppose to fit in, and not to seem a bit weird, I took a drink or two, but I knew in my heart I shouldn't be doing this, and I shouldn't be in this bar. I thank God that job didn't last too long, and I moved back home to work for my dad in the shop in Armagh and at the same time was looking in for a job in accountancy. Not long after i had started working for my dad, his own accountant was up one day to see him, and in the course of conversation with me, he said, how would you like coming to cover nine months maternity in my office? I have a girl going off on maternity. So I says, right, that's okay. And my dad says, well, if nine months is up and you still haven't anything, you can come back here. Well, that's 19 years ago, when I'm still working there in that place. When I went to the office that first day, I found out that every member of staff was a Christian. We got all great together. There was no bad language. There was no talking about partying at the weekend or going out or trying to get you to go out or anything. Again, God had provided a place for me among Christians, and I didn't even have to go looking for it. So coming on then... To June 2007. My granny passed away very suddenly in my arms one night. I thought she was about to fall, and I grabbed her under the arms and I called for my dad to come. And by the time he got to the top of our stairs, he said to me, Just let her down, she's gone. And my granny was the only one of my grandparents that I really knew because all my other three grandparents had all passed away when I was very young. <clears throat> so that happened just outside my bedroom door. After that, I found it very hard to go up our stairs at night or any time. I kept reliving that moment. And later on that year, I used that as my excuse and I moved out of home and rented a house of my own. And that is when I got very far from God. My neighbors were all lovely people and all very friendly with each other. And they soon started inviting me to their house parties at the weekends. And again, as supposed to fit in, I started going. I started taking the odd wee drink but because it was in a house, I tried telling myself, sure, it's okay, but you know, it wasn't okay. I was hurting the Lord after he had done so much for me and he had went through so much for me. If you're here tonight and you're saved and maybe you're having a wee drink in a house and thinking, sure, it's all right, nobody knows. Remember your Lord and Savior knows and sees it all and it's grieving him. This went on for maybe a year or more, and then I got the opportunity to buy my own house. So I moved away from that neighborhood, and the neighborhood I moved to was very quiet. And for the next couple of years after that, I kept myself very much to myself, but I was still far from God. I was just going through the motions. I was still going to church, but that was it. I was having no private time with God. I wasn't reading the word or praying the way I should have been and still from time to time I was having that odd wee drink. Then in March 2011 I met Freddy. He wasn't walking well with the Lord at the time, but I, who was I to judge, I wasn't walking well either. We got engaged in 2012 and we got married in July 2013. Then in August 2014, Thomas was born. And you know, it was when I was pregnant with Thomas that I came to a time when I thought, I've had enough of living like this. I wanted a closer walk with God. I had wasted far, far, far too many years not growing in my faith or learning more about the Lord. And that's all there were. There were wasted years so I ask the Lord to forgive me and cleanse me afresh and I come back to him and he restored me. Isn't it great to know that he will welcome us back with open arms? Anybody who's backslidden tonight, come back to him. He wants you back. Don't waste any more time. Come back to him. Because you know deep down, just like I did, that you aren't happy in where you are if you're backslidden. We were blessed then with Matthew, who was born in 2016. After Matthew was born, I went through a period of postnatal depression. And there were many times when I was in a very, very dark place. Many people didn't realize it or know it. I tried to cover it up. There were many times that I felt I couldn't cope anymore. And I thank the Lord He helped me through this. I was in such dark places I couldn't even pray. I couldn't do anything. But I thank God that there was family that was praying for me. And there was even times when I thought about ending it all. I just thought I was complete another useless mother. I just was so I just had no I don't know what Red said. I just was so I couldn't see a way out of how I was ever going to be a good mother and how I was going to cope. But that was the devil telling me that. And I had thought different times about it in my own life, but I thank God He brought me through and He made me realise that my two wee boys needed me, <clears throat> and I'm glad He brought us through that because we went on then to be blessed with Miss Bethany. In 2018, I thank the Lord for three healthy, beautiful children. And my prayer is, and our prayer is, as parents, that they would put their trust in the Lord and get saved too. I thank the Lord too that Freddie came back to the Lord in 2019. Thank God he is a never failing God. He has never failed us, even though we have failed him many, many, many times. It's not always an easy walk. And there are many times when life gets so busy with work, children, running a house. It's hard to get the calm and the quietness sometimes, to spend time alone with God. And there are days when I don't get very much time to read the Word. And days when maybe it's been tough going and you find it hard to pray. But you know, the Lord sees and hears all. And if it's a prayer muttered when Stan washing the dishes or driving down the road in the car, he still hears it and he understands. So any busy mums out there, and there's many of you, far busier than I am, you don't always have to be on your knees for God to hear your prayers. And he understands the trials that we face with our children day by day. And I'm so thankful that he does understand and that he's with us every step of the way. Thank you.